Welcome to the Mind Body TV podcast with Dr. Kim Duramo. I'm a conventionally trained physician sharing how the body heals and how you can access this state of healing effortlessly. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Mind Body TV. I am very excited to be here. We have a really, really special um, uh, segment today around mind body mentorship. That's our theme for October. So share your questions, any insights that come up. And we have one of our amazing mind body mentors here today, Alicia Capani, who's going to share her journey with this work. Um, kind of the personal experience that she's had with what brought her to this work with some severe suicidal depression, anxiety, some health problems and physical challenges and what she was able to let in and how she saw massive change happen in her life. Um, she continues to be on this journey and commit herself to um, that receptivity and that lightness and like really allowing and aspiring to live her highest life. No dream is too big. It's all um, part of who you are. Um, Alicia has such a beautiful heart, such a compassionate spirit, um, such a giving, giving, loving soul. Um, I first worked with her, it was several years back and she'd been engaging in this work. And then she came for one of my group retreats and she said to me, um, after doing the instant elevation tool that we have, the instant elevation program, I think that was the thing, um, I no longer had suicidal depression. And I thought, like, this is huge. I want people to hear this because sometimes you think, well, the book is just the entryway and it's just going to get me to the bigger thing. And then I'll have some real results. But I've had people read the book and completely resolve an illness um, Alicia had taken one of the home study programs and resolved suicidal depression and saw that happen. And I thought like, I want people to really hear that, that even just the simplest thing can be the doorway for something truly massive, um, for massive change. So I, I interviewed her and I was just in love with her right away. She's so young and to courageously embark on this journey and take responsibility for herself was really unusual. Um, and so it was maybe within the year after that, she began working on our team to assist with social media and communications and things like that. And it's years, years later, she's been mentoring um, directly with me and has now been um, doing private coaching sessions with our community to help people integrate this work um, to deeper and deeper levels. So I'm so glad to have you here. And everyone, you can give a warm welcome to Alicia Capani. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So um, let's start, and I would love everyone to, to share where you're tuning in from. Uh, a lot of people know Alicia from the Mind Body community in Facebook or have worked with her live in private sessions. Um, but why don't you start with, even if it's that same theme, because I think that was a really powerful um, story, but you know where you were when you found this work, how you felt about this work, and what you saw with um, beginning to engage with this work. Um, so before I found your work, I had severe depression, suicidal thoughts. I had like acid reflux. Um, I was just like abandoning myself in all my relationships, um, and every area of my life really. And I wasn't aware of it. Like I, I was like one of those people who felt like I kind of needed a man in my life to be happy. So like that was my whole life. I was like always in a relationship or always had a guy in my life. And oh, hey mom, that's my mom. <laughs> oh, gosh, I'm so glad I clicked that. Yeah. Hello, Alicia's mom, Shayla. Yeah. Um, so I didn't like really realize that I had depression at first. I just noticed that I felt really down all the time and I didn't have a lot of energy and I couldn't focus on anything like when I was studying or working I would just be staring out the window or staring at the screen and I just like didn't didn't understand what I was happening and this started when I was like 22. Um, Can you share how old you are now because I think that alone is inspiring. I just turned 30. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and I found your work when I was like 25 and 
met, met you when I was 26. Yeah. Yeah. A little baby. Uh, yeah. So it started when I was 22 and I didn't really understand what was happening or what the trigger was at the time, but it was really the relationship that I was in that the moment I started dating him, I had depression because I was totally suppressing myself in that relationship and everything that was coming up for me. Cause he was bringing up everything that I was already carrying. I just wasn't aware I was carrying it like fear. It was like fear of being abandoned or fear of being alone or something like that. Um, and like shame, like I, he brought up all those feelings of being so unwanted and like not good enough and I'm too much and all that sort of stuff. And all that was coming up and I didn't know what to do with any of those emotions. I wasn't even aware that that's what I was feeling and why I felt so down all the time. Cause it was like, my happiness was like dictated on how our relationship was. Like if things were good and he wasn't being passive and distant, then I felt fine. But then when he was being passive and distant, I felt miserable and I didn't see the correlation at the time. So there's something about like feeling unwanted. That's like the trigger for me that I feel like that's really what did it for me because even more recently met another guy, very passive also made me feel unwanted. And it brought up the same energies of like, it kind of felt like I had depression again for a day. So there's just something about that. That was like the thing that really triggered the depression for me. And even though a part of me like, knew that's not true, that I'm unwanted. Like there's things that I understand now that I didn't understand then that like, it's not actually natural for a conscious masculine man to not pursue what he wants because masculine energy is doing, taking action, like penetrating the world. So if he's not pursuing you, like he either doesn't want to be with you or he's carrying like fear or shame or feels not good enough. Like there's a reason with most passive guys as to why they're not doing that. And that was the case with this most recent guy and the last guy, but I didn't know that at the time. I didn't realize that's why he's being distant. So I just felt really unwanted and didn't know what to do with that feeling. So I just kept trying to convince myself why I shouldn't feel unwanted, which was just suppressing the energy. I was like, Alicia, like there's probably no one on the planet that wants to be with you more than this guy. Like, cause he waited like four years to be with me because he knew who I was like long before I knew who he was. He saw me around the university. He even had like a nickname for me. He called me the Vixen. It was very similar to like a Seth and Summer situation. If anyone who's seen the OC, he like had a huge crush on this girl named Summer his whole life and called her the Vixen. And then same situation. We finally were introduced to each other but then I had just started dating someone else and I ended up dating that other guy for three years. So this guy waited four years to be with me. And then finally we start dating. He gets everything he wanted and then he just never wants to spend time with me. And it was so confusing to me because before we would spend all of our time together, he was like my school husband essentially. And we'd, we'd always study together. And then when we started dating, he would start like going home in between classes instead of studying with me, which made no sense because he lived so far away from the university. And it just made me feel so unwanted and so like just down all the time. And I, I didn't get, I didn't see that that was what was triggering me and making me feel so um, like down all the time. I just thought it was like, because I was graduating and I had started taking birth control. So I just thought it was like my hormones and I thought it, like it would just go away. Um, I didn't realize to the extent that I was suppressing myself in that relationship because he had extreme anxiety. So there was a part of me that registered like you can't tell him how you feel. Like if you make him anxious, he's going to leave you. So that's a big one in relationships where we take care of the other person and help them stay in avoidance by containing things and suppressing ourselves. And yeah. that really is what creates depression is we're suppressing the flow of our emotion and the expression of our emotion. And we're not allowing it or we're making it wrong. And then we're like, it's just a, you know, a ceiling and we feel that heaviness. And that's what we call depression. Exactly. That's like what did it for me. Like the extent that I was suppressing myself in that relationship. So I was like, Lisa, you can't tell him how you, you're feeling because then he's going to leave you. So just suppress everything, make the relationship fun and playful and all about sex. And then he won't ever want to leave you. Um, and that just had me completely suppress myself to a whole other level. Like I would not ever tell him if I was upset or what I was feeling. Um, there was only one time I did because it was actually making him more anxious 
to not know how I was feeling because now he can tell I'm super upset. So every other time I was upset, he didn't want to know. Like he would be like, oh, go work out if you're not feeling well. Like he wouldn't even hold, be able to hold the space for me. He'd be free and available and could have talked to me, but he was like, just go work out. I'm not like, available he, for that. Yeah. Um, so he never wanted to know how I was feeling, but there was one time that he really did because it was making him so anxious. And I was terrified to tell him how I was feeling that the only way he could get me to say how I was feeling was he actually had to like, strip for me he was like for every article of clothing I take off you'll tell me one thing that's bothering you and it worked the one time that's but I beautiful let me just say that's a beautiful creative vulnerability you know and we could see it in one light of just a sexual thing but it's a vulnerability of like I'm gonna strip down I'm gonna take off the layers and I want you to take off the layers I know I really appreciated that but that was pretty much the only time I did tell him how I was feeling because I was so afraid to it was lose the only him. time he really let you know he wanted it or really asked for it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, so. you know, this is a huge thing with depression and with relationships is like how we feel. We're made to believe it's wrong how we feel, especially as women where there's so much we feel or any any feminine energy, like whether you're a man or a woman and have more omega energy, you feel a lot. And then you may kind of get categorized as like highly sensitive, or I'm like, you know, pathologically empathic or, but it's really just immersion. I'm going to immerse in the experience of being human. And I'm going to feel and sense energy in a way. Maybe I usually don't, maybe I'm usually barriered and I'm in the linear mind and I'm in my masculine alpha doing self. And so I don't really drop in and I don't really embody, but when we do either because we're more feminine by nature and it gets exhausting to not embody that, or uh, maybe we're more masculine by nature, which, you know, most men will be, but we realize there's a huge imbalance there. And that if we don't drop into the, the feminine and the immersion, we're like really missing out on our life and having an empty life of just like work, 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 and no fulfillment. And so one of the things that happen though that happens is we're made to feel wrong for feeling or we're taught that having intense um, experiences and emotions is wrong. And that's one of the biggest things that causes depression is, you know, so therefore I'm not going to feel it. I'm not going to drop in and I'm not going to express it because people think I'm crazy and medicate me or leave me. Um, and then I'm not going to even let myself know what's really happening in here. And that's when depression becomes chronic, meaning we habitually have those hormones and emotional states. The body starts to have receptor changes at the cellular level to accommodate for that. The brain starts to have new neurologic patterns that instill that suppression more readily and keep that in place. And now we're like a victim. And that's when people say, I have depression or I have a diagnosis. Now it's like, that's your brain state. That's your hormonal state. That's your receptor state. And then you're over here. Like I'm trying to express, I'm trying to tap into my feelings, but it's like, well, there's so much instilled in the pattern that you'll have to do a little bit more work to let that dissolution happen and practice into a new state. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about that? And I do want to get back to this piece too. I think everyone does, mm -hmm. um, but I, I want to, I think you are a great example of what the work was that allowed new pathways and new brain states and a new hormonal balance where um, you are able to come out of that severe depression. Yeah. So to continue with where you are too, like if there's a chronology here. Okay. Yeah, no, there, there is. Um, yes. So like essentially because I was doing exactly what you were saying was not allowing a full expression of my emotions that triggered the depression and so for the first year, I didn't didn't understand this and didn't um, uh, know I had depression. And it, it just felt like my mood was so dependent on him that like I would have moments of joy. So I didn't really care to, to do anything about this anyways, right? I just thought it would go away. And I actually eventually started to blame him. And I thought he was the reason I had depression. And if he just stopped being so passive, 
then I wouldn't have depression anymore. But that I didn't see at the time that that's not true. Like nobody can make you feel something you're not already carrying. So he was bringing up, it was a gift that he was bringing this stuff up for me that I was already carrying. Uh, I just didn't see it at that time. And I, I blamed him and I, I just really couldn't see what was going to help me at the time. I just thought he'll, he'll change his behavior and then I'll get better. And, you know, but that, that didn't work obviously. Cause even three years after we broke up, I still had depression. So it, you know, had nothing to do with that. Um, so yeah, for the first year, I didn't do anything about it until that relationship ended because now I didn't have this joy in my life. So only then did I actually start going to my doctor because I was in so much pain now. I didn't have any joy. He was pretty much the only reason I was living. So now I felt everything more fully. So it hurt so much that I just wanted the pain to go away. So I went to see my doctor. And then, of course, she gives me antidepressants because that's what that model is. And I took antidepressants for, I don't know, like a year or so, year and a half. I can't remember how long it was. And I didn't feel anything with them. So they just kept increasing the dosage and I still didn't feel anything. Um, and I was seeing a psychiatrist and they, I was doing like regular counseling and CBT because that's what they recommend, cognitive behavior therapy, which for me wasn't helping because it was like I was still bypassing all my emotions, right? It was like, you know, it's all about changing your thoughts, which it's, I'm not saying that's not powerful, but it was kind of like I was trying to convince myself why I shouldn't feel unwanted, but I wasn't actually feeling the part of me or meeting the part of me who felt unwanted, you know, so nothing was moving, nothing was shifting. Um, and I did that for about like a year. And during that year, I wouldn't say I actually like wanted to heal. I just like wanted the pain to go away. Yeah. And I always thought like, if it doesn't, I can just end my life. Like that was always like a backup thing for me. And then when I actually had an experience where I was going to end my life, you know, essentially I realized that I was too afraid of pain to go through with it. Like I wanted a foolproof painless way to do it. And I couldn't find, one. I was Googling and I couldn't find one. So that that's when I really realized, okay, this is not something I can actually do. And it was only at that point that now I was like, okay, I need to find a way to actually heal because that's not an option for me to end my life. Wow. So that's when I started trying everything. I was like desperate to heal. Then I was trying like EMDR, EFT, hypnosis, acupuncture. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. I think mean, a lot of people relate with this, Alicia. Mm -hmm. I don't think the topic of suicidality is treated with the depth and compassion it deserves. I think it's seen as just a pathology we need to avoid at all costs and save you from as opposed to like meeting the, um, just the profound uh, despair and courage it takes to even take one breath at that frequency. When it is a frequency, it's a level of consciousness. And I think it's seen as so wrong and also shameful that no one is appreciating um, the level of courage it takes to meet life at that level uh, whatever action you take. And I don't think most practitioners have dropped enough into their own um, pain, their own embodiment, which will include some pain in some places, maybe some despair, maybe some grief. And as a doctor, you know, that's not, that's completely left out of the curriculum. It doesn't matter at all whether I drop into my own despair and treat it with compassion and have the ability to meet another in pain with that compassion. But in truth, that actually is the medicine. That actually is what allows the transmutation and the healing to take place in the other, literally physical changes, hormonal changes, brain changes, recircuitry of the brain literally happens from that mirror neuron effect. When we encounter someone who has walked that journey compassionately and come through some resolution of their own pain and their own grief, it can literally strengthen that ability in ourselves. Thank you guys for sharing your experiences. Holly says, I'm just now learning after 20 years, I don't have to fix it, be open and receive healing and have it come through me. You know, that's, um, that's not what we're sharing when someone has 
suicidal depression. It's no, 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 no. Let's, let's medicate you no matter what. I'm not saying there isn't a call for emergency care and lockdowns. And that, that was my profession in the emergency room. You know, we'd assign that this person loses their right to walk away. We're going to keep them here for their own safety. And there's a role for that. Um, but we have to also open to allow a resolution in a, a way beyond just medicating. So um, I just wanted to insert that here. Yeah. 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 So I was trying like everything to heal, but it was like, like I was even like Googling how to heal from depression and going to like the second and third pages, which I never do on Google because I was like, I will try anything. Um, but it was like, again, in this energy of, I just want my pain to go away. And it wasn't welcoming what I was feeling at all. Like when I found your work, that's what changed everything. But I wasn't open to finding your work until I kind of maxed out on all that for like, I don't know, another year or so I was doing that, spending thousands of dollars on therapy, trying everything. And I just kind of thought like, this doesn't work. Nothing works. I'm trying everything. So then I was like, okay, well, I guess I need to find another way to live my life. So I was like, let's just find a way to distract myself from this pain because wow. I'm not, I, can't, I can't kill myself and nothing works. Right. So distract right so that that's just like addiction let me get into facebook let me get into over drinking or partying or overworking or what what happened with yeah you? well so drinking I, drinking i tried but i would actually feel worse like i would always end up in the bathroom crying when i would drink and when i would go out to bars i would just like see like girls my age just like having a really good time and i was like why can't i be like them and i honestly just felt worse so that wasn't my form of escape. I just threw myself into work and I took a job where you work 12 to 16 hours a day in the field. So you're busy all the time, pretty much, um, which is not a job I would normally ever take, but I just wanted to be distracted, you know, but there was like an opening that happened there. Even though I was still distracting myself from what I was feeling, I had stopped all forms of therapy and healing modalities I was trying so there was like an opening there. Even Jessica said the same thing in her story, like when she took anti or, or antibiotics the second time, and then she like stopped them. There was like a, you got out of resistance for a second because you're stop you're stopping this like I got to fix myself, I got to get out of pain. So I was already in less resistance when I kind of just dropped everything, and that's when I found you. Um, and that's when I found your work. And even though a part of me was like, oh, I'm not spending another penny on any sort of therapy or healing modality, there was just something about you that resonated with me. And then I took your program and then I healed from depression because this was the first time that I was like welcoming what I was feeling rather than like, okay, I'm feeling it, but I'm just tolerating it. And it's just, that's just a completely different energy than I'm welcoming it. And it's like, it's okay that you feel this way. I'm sorry that you're you're feeling this way. Totally different energies. So and that program was that was I correct? With that was the instant elevation. Yes. Yeah. I thought so. Yeah. Um, I, I want to share just to insert um, because we do have that program on offer as well as a depression series, which is a home study program. And I'll put both of the links for those. They're both at drkimd.com. Uh, the mind body solution for anxiety and depression. And then the other one is the instant elevation, which is what Alicia had, had done at that time. Um, mm -hmm. And Alicia is available for personal mentorship to do one-on-one -on -one, um, coaching through this work and integrating this work. Uh, and I'll also post the link for that here. They're all at drkimd.com. But um, I just want people to know who are listening to the, the recording or who are here live that we have really great resources for moving forward with this. Um, so please, I want you to just keep going with what you're rolling because it's, it's like really great. Okay. Well, I mean, that was like the moment I really started healing because now I wasn't resisting what I was feeling. Cause if all depression really is, is stuck energy, meaning you don't want to feel what you're feeling this, I, I was starting to allow myself to feel what I was feeling now. So of course the energy was going to move now because your body already knows like that's what I learned from your program. Your body already knows how to do this when you just get out of resistance, even like 2%. So that is when I really started healing. But like, I wouldn't say I felt like a ton of joy right away. It was like kind of gradual for me, just like the more I started to dissolve 
these densities, joy was just there because that's your natural state. I didn't have to like force myself to feel joy anymore. Whereas before I would like try to do that. I was like, okay, let's try to do things that bring you joy, Alicia. So, okay. Yeah. But it was like from the mind, it was like, there's nothing worse than trying to feel joy when you feel despair or hopelessness or grief or depression. Yeah. And and I think what you open to is um, feel 2% more welcoming of what you are feeling or 2% more willing to, to feel what you are feeling. And like someone in Facebook is saying, welcoming the pain is so difficult. What had you, um, I mean, I know part of what had that willingness was you're like, I don't have a back door anymore. Yeah. Um, what else was it that created that openness in, in your journey? So, yeah. So like you said, it was just kind of like I maxed out on the other way. I knew that suppressing it doesn't work anymore and wasn't creating what I was truly wanting and wasn't creating true freedom. Um, but what had me be so willing to welcome it, especially now I'm still so willing to welcome what I'm feeling, even though I, I'm not in despair anymore, but I'm still willing is because I want to be free. Like that's my, that's like so important to me. Cause I'm like, if you're already feeling this way and you're already holding these energies and they're not going anywhere, unless you feel them, it's like, you might as well feel them if you truly want to be free. So because my intention is to be totally free. That's why I'm willing to welcome everything that I'm feeling. And because I know that it works, like it was kind of like something I just like, I guess, tried at first. And I was like, oh, I do feel lighter. So then I started to realize this actually is the only thing that helps me feel lighter is allowing myself to feel what I'm feeling. So that's always the point that I go to now because nothing else feels like true peace. You're hitting the nail on the head. And that I think is one of the major pieces that can really open us to a massive change when there's a lot of this kind of depression or grief. Um, notice when I do feel lighter, because even if it's a 2% shift, it's just a little lighter. We'll discount it like, well, yeah, but I, I'm not feeling joy or yeah, but I'm still having heaviness uh, or it comes back and we just discount the whole thing. And one of the things you did right that strengthened the system was um, I'm willing to notice there is a little bit of lightness here. I, I, that's been a huge thing for me as well. When, you know, if I do EFT tapping and I go from say like a seven to a five, like a seven of intensity and it goes down to a five, mm -hmm. you're still feeling the anger or you're still feeling the despair or whatever it is, but you're like, whoa, it, it's a solid five. Like I solidly acknowledge this shift. Don't yeah. diminish it, like blow it up. That's a major key, I think, that, that you're sharing and how um, you're bringing this work into the world. Mm -hmm. Layla's saying a pattern of impatience, wanting it to feel 100% better. Now, my time frame. Yeah. yeah, that's all the ego. And uh, Alicia, you've had like an openness, a softness. Um, and I think, like I said before, at such a young age, it's not that common that we've already gotten there to the point of like, wow, I'm responsible for my life and, you know, engaging. Um, I, I think you just have a lot of wisdom in your system. So it's, it's a natural thing, but I think for everyone, they, they will benefit uh, from that. Um, I want you to go on exactly where you're going. Okay. Well, like to what Layla's saying, like when you're in it, it feels like it's never ending. But like, if you focus on that little bit of lightness and you know that your body already knows how to move through this, you, you know that it is going to move and it already is moving. And then that will kind of give you more willingness to keep sitting with it, even though it feels never ending when it's in it. And that impatience feeling, like I've been feeling that so much lately, I totally get how you feel. But the impatience is just, I don't want to feel what I'm feeling. It's the same thing. It's not impatience isn't really like a thing. It's just, I don't want to feel what I'm feeling. So if I can be more willing to feel what I'm feeling and also be more generous with myself, like we talked about yesterday, like if there's an action I want to take out of impatience that maybe is not serving me, like just, just give yourself that, um, just forgive yourself. Choices create clarity. If you feel like I'm so upset right now and I just want some like temporary peace because I'm so impatient and you want to do something about it, and you want to take an action that's not ex 
inspired and you want to work with someone or try a program or take a medication or something that's like not a true yes, but you just feel like so impatient that you want to do something, well, choices create clarity and it's okay and you can move forward in that direction. And I had to do that journey and max out on all those things to realize. to say that again. <laughs> yeah, I do think because that's huge that you said if you feel like you want to suppress or do whatever you're going to do, yeah. just choose it. Yeah. Because choices create clarity and it's moving you forward anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that was the experience that I needed. Like people would even try to tell me before, like suppressing what you're feeling doesn't help you, but they would kind of say it in a way that wasn't like loving. It was kind of more like tough love. Like just like there would be like a song that would come on on the radio that reminded me of my last boyfriend. And then I remember one time I told my friend, like, can you change the, the song? And she's like, no, you need to feel this. And she like put, put the song back on and really loud. Like, and even though in a way she was right, like allow yourself to feel what you're feeling, but she said it in a way that was so not loving and like. Yeah, also be compassionate for yourself. Yeah. You don't have to always dig in like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's both. You gotta, um, you gotta choose to be ge generous with yourself as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess the point is that even though I, I was getting some of this awareness, like that suppressing doesn't work. I, I really had to max out on everything else to realize suppressing doesn't work because that's everyone's go-to, right? Like you're, that seems like the easiest thing to do is just, I'm just going to distract from it. I'm going to work more, drink more, whatever, but once you realize it doesn't work, then you won't go back to doing that again for very long. Maybe short right. periods of time, that's it. Choice creates clarity. Can you look at also, um, hmm. how would you respond to this? We're angry to saying, but I can't even get out of bed if I let myself feel despair. And I don't have anyone to rely on. So I have to force myself to distract. How long does it take to make a shift? Yeah. So I didn't feel like getting out of bed or doing anything either. But the thing is, that's what your body actually wants you to do is be with what you're feeling. So that's, that's kind of why you are exhausted when you have depression or some sort of illness or chronic fatigue or something, because your body wants you to slow down and feel what you're feeling and feel the despair instead of distracting, because if you're distracting, then you won't feel it and you want to feel it so that it can move. So well, I, know I think it's also like, is it actually true that if you let yourself feel 2% at a time, does it actually create you being in bed for five days and you never get up? What does it actually create? It, no, it doesn't. It, you'll eventually feel a little bit lighter and actually naturally have more energy and will want to get out of bed. Yeah. Even, even if we do like five breaths of sitting in the heaviness, I love you. I love you. I love you. So there's less um, resistance, distraction, suppressing. We're like, all right, I'm going to take five breaths of this and then I'm going to get up because I do choose yeah. to start my day and take care of my life. And I also think we got to look at the consciousness of the question when we say, mm -hmm. well, I have to do my life and there is no one for me and there, I have no choice. Yeah. We're buying into our victimhood and we're buying into our limitation and we always are at choice. <laughs> it's like a hard pill to swallow, but um, we are always at choice. So we could say, you know, I choose to go to that job that I hate because mm -hmm. right now it's the only possibility I see to fund my life, but mm -hmm. at least I'm making the choice and don't make yourself wrong for it so that you're remembering that you're actually in charge. Yeah. So like in her case, if she's saying she has to distract, she could be like, okay, I'm choosing to get up and stay busy because I don't know how to move through these emotions and be free from them. So for now, this is what I'm choosing. That's what I did. I chose to take that job that was 12 to 16 hours a day to distract because I thought also there was no other way. But I, I just change it to like I choose to rather than I have to because there's no other option and nothing else works for me. There'll be a slight opening there. Even if you think you have no choice, just like I did, if you could be like, I'm just going to choose this because I, I'm not sure what else to do right now. There's mm -hmm. like a little bit of an opening there. Um, so, so would you continue on with your story? What, yeah. what was the next piece? 
once that began to unwind and open? Um, so like I slowly started to feel more joy and more joy. Like I just started to realize that your natural state is joy and peace. Like that was just underneath everything else when I moved the other energies. So I, I no longer needed to force myself to feel joy. Nothing in my life actually had to change first for me to feel joy. Nothing was different. I wasn't in a relationship again. I didn't like my job still. Like technically nothing in my life had changed for me to feel joy. It was literally unconditional joy and peace that I was now accessing because I dissolved all those other densities that weren't aligned with me. Yeah. You know, it's like you say, but what's real cannot be threatened and what's unreal does not exist. Like those other energies I was carrying were not real. They weren't me. They weren't my natural state. So when you allow yourself to feel them, they would just move. Oh, I can't hear you. Um, no. My little guy just came in the room. Oh. <laughs> so I was telling him I'm in my broadcast. Okay. So I thought this was inspiring enough to share Ingrid who asked the question. Um, so thank you. Okay. And I just want to acknowledge um, it takes such a freaking massive amount of courage to be receptive when we're in that frequency of depression or grief or despair, because someone comes along and says, oh, just, you know, take those five breaths and then get up and do your day. And it sounds like la la la, airy, fairy, fluffy person who doesn't really know my, understand my situation. And then we sort of argue for the limitation and it can land, you know, when we're in victimhood, anybody who wants to point out that we're in victimhood, it feels like a threat. Yeah. And Ingrid that, is I like just want to commend it. Yeah. those who are letting this in, that it's yeah. huge to be even 2% receptive when we're in that state that just wants to protect. Yeah, exactly. That's really beautiful that she let that in. Would you share, um, so, so I, I mean, we touched on relationships. I know that's been a big part of your journey is like, how do I show up in relationship? Cause I think your relationships are showing you where you can be more in valuing yourself, acknowledging your worth, cherishing and nurturing yourself. And, and also there's ways that putting structure in cultivates our wholeness. It doesn't mean structure is always a distraction from meeting the energy. Structure can also be a powerful way to like uh, really uh, foster our uh, ascension and our joy. And I've found, you know, gratitude practice or just some structures of like, I'm going to get up and I'm going to exercise and, and this is just going to happen. I don't think about it really, really like boosts me. Um, whereas in the past I would sometimes resist a lot of structure. Um, mm -hmm. So what have you seen in how you engage in relationships, um, what you have been experiencing? And I know you're, you're really in your journey, but I think because we've touched on that and that's been such a big thing. And I think people are going to want to connect with that as well. Um, what are you learning? Um, well, one thing that I noticed that has shifted a lot is like there isn't this fear of as much of a fear as being alone as before. Like this time, like I was just seeing someone and every time I was upset, I told him how I felt. It was completely different than the last relationship where I was like, no, no, no Alicia, he's going to leave you if you tell him how you feel. I thought this guy was also going to leave me if I told him how I felt, but like there wasn't, that fear wasn't strong enough. Like me suppressing myself was more uncomfortable than the fear of he might stop talking to me. Right. Yeah. So I, I literally can't suppress myself now. I've noticed it's, it's, it's impossible. It's too uncomfortable. I'm in a different state it now. Costs it costs you too much. You're too aware of what it's costing you to do yeah. something. Yeah. So I, I'm glad that that's shifted. Um, what have I been learning? Um, I've been learning that I was carrying so much shame and that was like one of the biggest reasons why I was attracting passive guys, why I don't have a lot of close connections in my life. Like feeling not good enough and not valuing myself was a big part of it. And then judgment too of other people. So I couldn't even like receive men because I was just judging them so much. And I've recently moved through so much shame 
that I'm experiencing men and everyone differently. It's like, even though I can see that there's certain things that I maybe don't want, like I don't want a guy who smokes or does drugs or something, but I'm not in judgment of it. It's like, I, I just, it's like, I'm not seeing those things. I'm seeing the person for who they really are and I can enjoy them for who they are. It's just like the judgment is just not there anymore, or at least not as much. Mm-hmm. So now I'm feeling like more joy and more connection when I'm with people and actually able to receive men in a different way now because I've moved through that. Um, I've just also noticed I have a lot of protections. So like that was kind of why I also don't have a lot of close connections in my life. But like you said to me one time, like, who would you be without your protections? You were like, you would be more of who you really are not less like you'd have more awareness like you don't need to keep your protections just in case okay this person might hurt me so I should keep my protections when you're in less fear you have more awareness okay maybe I don't talk to this person as much or whatever like you have more awareness you didn't need your protections to help you with that Um, what have you seen and noticed and as protections specifically for like people you've worked with or for yourself just so people can have more of a sense of identifying the protection. They're protection. so subconscious that they're so subconscious. I wasn't even realized I was doing them. Um, like, like I push people away. Like even like, oh my God, I'm probably gonna cry. <laughs> um, yeah, just breathe. This is huge stuff. Huge stuff in the whole collective the most important things. Yeah, I noticed that I I push people away. Like I, I just did that. Um, with my best friend, like I didn't realize why I actually ended my friendship with her was because I didn't want to feel my own shame and wrongness and judgment. And so then I just like pushed her away and thought like she was the problem. Um, And like another way that I protect is like, because I feel like I'm too much for people, I like don't ask people to hang out. Like if I hang out with someone, I'm like, oh, now I can't ask them to hang out for at least a month or two because like they're going to get annoyed of me or they're going to get sick of me. So um, that doesn't allow me to have close connections with anyone because I see you every like few months you know? Yep. So like, that's a protection that I, I have, um, noticed. Yeah. And, and I know you see a lot too, when you're working with someone, like I've, I've seen you do it where you will call out these very subtle things like, oh, she's, um, making herself wrong over Mm -hmm. and over and over by like apologizing or you you catch these behaviors that I'm sure the other person is completely unconscious of. Yeah, no, I do notice that. I feel like if I hear someone speak enough, like they, they'll say it, you can hear it, you know what they're doing. Um, and also if I'm doing it myself, it's really easy to see in someone else. Like I also make myself wrong so I can see if that's something that's. Yeah, I think that's an important part of the equation. It's not like you've become this perfect person. It's just all you've done is be conscious of the imperfect and be conscious of the protective personality. And that's what shifts the whole thing. Because now the protective personality is not in the driver's seat. Even if she's still here once in a while, she's not in the driver's seat. She's not creating your life. She's not creating your outcomes. She's not dictating how you feel all day. It's okay if the protective personality sticks around for a little bit. And I think you're a really great um, example of that grace and compassion. Stay as long as you like. Here we are. You're in the backseat and I'm in the driver's seat and here's where we're going. And then choosing and living your life consciously. Um, Katie here has said something I think a lot of us feel as broke. You know, if you're empathic and you let your inner self be seen, then it's like, whoa, you know, hysterical women hyster is, you know, we get a hysterectomy. That's the uterus. You're getting the womanly part, the womb removed. And then it's termed with like, with this, you know, term uh, hysterical, which is like, ah, 
ah, you're just out of control. Mm -hmm. And like in this society, there's nothing worse than being out of control. So people yeah. think we're broken, but she says, um, as broken as people think I am, I'm braver and stronger and more of a warrior than I was my entire life, especially surrounded by so many who are sound asleep and still efforting and distracting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm sure you face that too, where it's like, it's more protected to keep it in because you let things out and you can be judged, labeled, seen as wrong or broken. Mm -hmm. And it's really only when I'm no longer willing to see it that way that uh, it's actually healthy and the energy of expression can flow and, and release. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And I, I noticed that like I was carrying a lot of judgment, like kind of like what that person just said, other people are asleep. I, I was like judging people that were asleep, like people that weren't feeling what they were feeling instead of having compassion for them them and realizing they're really scared and they don't know how to move through emotions and they weren't taught and they're not even maybe aware that they're feeling fear. I was just like judging them so much. But because I met my shame, um, I the judgment just kind of moved when the shame moved. I didn't have to try to make myself have compassion for people. It was and just- And you just showed us that. Like in whatever it was, maybe 45 seconds, you went and dropped into a really deep space, which is why tears come, right? It's energy moving. You use your breath and you let the energy move and you emerged from it. And now look at comment after comment. We're with you, Alicia. We love you, Alicia. Thank you, Kim and Alicia. I'm feeling you, Alicia. Such a beautiful young lady. Like you moved the whole room and the whole planet. We could have spent four hours of like a podcast talking about moving your emotions. And I'm so expert at that. Let me show you how to do it. Let me tell you how to do it. But you just did it. You know, it's like 20 hours of words versus 45 seconds of embodiment. That's what is going to move the planet that we have a planetary shift in such a short expedited time frame is embodiment. You, that is the thing. That's your magic, Alicia. You're so powerful when you're willing to do that. We transmute energy when we're willing to do that. I know a lot of people are relating with what you said. Yeah. Oh, time, Alicia. <laughs> Layla, I love you. <laughs> Yeah. And I noticed I'm not making myself wrong. The last time I, I cried on a broadcast, I was like apologizing and I'm like, Oh, I'm sorry that I'm crying. And this time there wasn't any of that. It's just like emotion is beautiful. There's no wrongness in it. It's just different now. And Laura says, I totally relate to the pushing people away stuff. Laura, Laura's our manager Yeah, and a freaking rock star. And yeah. I love our team so much. And I love that, you know, there's rawness and that's what, it doesn't just let you as an individual be more alive. Like you're bringing everyone more alive. Yeah. Um, Alicia, what would you say um, have been the most powerful nuggets of, uh, in your process or what you've guided others through? Because I know people come to you with deep, deep spaces of like, well, no, you don't understand. My thing is like another dimension of problematic and you actually help them access that. So, so what have you seen um, in this work, either examples of people moving through that or specific things you've um, guided them to, to do in, in a process? Well, I just feel like one of the biggest things is when they actually start to get more connected to their wisdom so they're no longer putting their energy into things that aren't serving them like if they're trying so many things to heal like i can already tell like that's not their wisdom and when they're actually willing to honor their wisdom more fully and honor what they're actually experiencing something really shifts even though they might think no i need to be doing all these things because i can't do nothing if they actually start to honor what their body's telling them which is this feels heavy, so it's not required, and they drop it, they actually start to see more of a shift. Um, so I know you always tell me if like all you do is get people to be more aware of what they're feeling, more aware of what they're experiencing, it will create a massive shift. 
So they might not even be aware that what they're doing feels heavy. So like, I'll get them to be aware of it. You know, I'll get them to be more aware of what they're already feeling. Well, and someone's asking like, what, what to do with autoimmune disease? A lot of fear of my emotions. Well, autoimmune disease is usually like you're working really hard, pushing yourself, feeling like you need to overcome, overachieve. So in that exact scenario, it's like you're probably doing too much. You're probably more in your masculine energy than your feminine energy. So like the more you actually dropped into the fear and whatever is underneath there, the more you would heal. So like that's what I would do with someone. We would like do the ABC tool together and actually go into what's underneath it. Because they might tell me, oh, I have POTS or I have this. And I'm like, hey, but what is it bringing up emotionally though? Like what is it actually why is it actually bothering you? Is it having you not be able to live your life? You can't go out and do, you don't feel free. Like what's the emotion underneath it? Yeah. Like and to drop into an experience that this is a huge thing. You know, David Hawkins talks about this in his book, um, healing and recovery, which is like, it's like a companion to the embracing health program that we do. And, uh, he says, there's actually no such thing as like a thing in and of itself that has its own life and power as a disease. There's an experience in the body that is detrimental in a specific way or wearing and tearing and taxing in a specific way. And there's the energy of that. And if we drop in to actually experience the energy that goes along with it, whether it's like fear or powerlessness or suppress, you know, you feel the fatigue and it's like, oh God, it's just so heavy you drop into an experience that's where you allow the experience to move your presence is the medicine and and i think it's awesome alicia that you're able to do that work in a really really deep core level because sometimes it's like oh fix my my you know ulcerative colitis or my thyroid disease or fibromyalgia and there's a lot of ways that are pseudo fixers like you pop a pill but have they addressed the underlying energy versus if we're dropping in to resolve the underlying energy, all of it resolves, not just the pain syndrome or the autoimmune, but all of the ways that this energy is affecting your life mm-hmm. and you don't, and you don't realize it, you know? Yeah. Affected. Yeah. And some people will even be like, okay, the main thing that's bothering me right now is this. So all I want to talk about is this, but it's like, it is actually affecting all the other areas of your life too. And when they start talking about that, then you can see it's the same energy in each area of their life that's creating all of these things. So it actually is helpful for me to hear all of it, even if they're like, no, I just want to like heal my physical illness. And like, they're cool with how their relationship is going, but it's like your relationship's totally going to change when you are healing your body. Do you have any um, specific things you want to share or examples of that, um, that really stand out for you Mm. or specific things in your life that have manifested as a result of that level of shift? Well, so much has changed in my life since doing this. Like I'm way healthier. I don't have acid reflux anymore. Like that kind of went along with the suppressing of my emotions, just shoving everything down. And then kind of created the acid reflux as well. So I was on medication for that, that I had to take it every single day. And I don't need to take that anymore for years. I haven't needed that. I'm way healthier. Um, I eat way healthier. Like I used to like, every meal was fast food, lunch, breakfast, dinner, everything was fast food. And I never thought I would be someone who actually craved healthier foods. I still don't even think I eat as healthy as most people, but it wasn't ever something that I forced myself or tried to do. It's just, it's just like a natural thing. This is huge. You guys, I mean, how many of us are trying to, like you said, they were trying to do behavioral therapy Mm. and (laughs) you can't change the behavior when you haven't changed the consciousness. Yeah. You're still in a (coughs) self-suppressing self shaming self-wronging consciousness, you're going to revert back to that self-destructive behavior. (laughs) So to let that shift, you got to shift your consciousness. Even the small 2% shift will will make a a huge difference. Well, Alicia, we are about to complete and I want people to know um, 
where they can reach you. So at drkimd.com forward slash mentors, um, Jess and Alicia are both on that page, but Alicia is available for private one-on-one um, coaching. We've been offering this over the last year with really, really, really great results and um, amazing, amazing feedback. And I always see it when they are getting the feedback or the testimonials. It, it always, the whole team will see it. And it's so um, uplifting and so inspiring that so many people are receiving this um, from you and that you're shining. And even like a year ago or two, maybe two, when we first did interviews, you shared beautifully um, and there was like more fear and hesitation mm -hmm. and you've like let yourself be seen. And even what happened here with like just dropping in so fully, there's so much courage and so much compassion and, and it really benefits everyone. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being so beautiful and self uh, sharing and, and generous. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Do you have any last pieces maybe we didn't touch on or last words you want to leave people with? Mm. Um, I just kind of really wish that I honored myself more fully. Like I didn't know that if something felt heavy, it meant my body was like, this is not required. You don't need this. So like when I took my first antidepressant, for example, I was like crying when I was taking it because I didn't want to take it. And I was like, I can't believe this is what my life has come to. And I didn't realize like if it felt that heavy, it's because my body was like, this is a no, this is not what I'm asking for. And I kind of wish I knew that then and was willing to actually honor myself. It definitely would have shortened my experience. Um, so I would, I would invite people to trust their wisdom more fully and honor that. And it will, it will shorten your experience if you do that. Can we touch into one more thing? No, I know we're approaching time, but this is such a kind of close to my heart topic because I know a lot of young people deal with this. There's so much energy pent up in the body that we use cutting. It's actually a way of releasing energy um, and also allowing the endorphins that recalibrate your nervous system and the endorphins that let the energy dissipate in some way. It's not the most functional way to do it, but you got to let the energy release in some way. Uh, mm -hmm. And Terry is asking, what do you do when you're hurting yourself, like cutting or picking the same sores? Yeah. So if you could actually, well, I would pause first before I do it and just like notice how I'm feeling and bring more awareness to how I'm feeling and why I'm doing this. And if you can be more forgiving with yourself, like, okay, it's okay that you're doing this. It's okay that you're cutting yourself. I know it seems like that's like the worst thing you should do, but the allowance and love for yourself that you're giving yourself in that moment is actually going to have you be in a different frequency where you no longer do self-sabotaging type things like this or like hurting yourself. So I would just be super loving and be like, it's okay that you're doing this and more awareness while you're doing it. That's what I would say. Yeah, I, I would agree with that 100%. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that kind of leads to you know, that, like you said, the pause, which is the drop in awareness, this is all the instant elevation, you, you allow and enhance awareness of what am I actually feeling within me? What is actually happening in me? That's causing me to do the cutting, or the picking? What am I so you do a check in? Hey, body, how are we feeling? And just maybe in a few breaths, to drop in and, and let the energy move. And then um, with that, allowing and love, you're, you're opening to wait a minute, maybe there's a different way to let this energy move. And, and like you're saying, the forgiving and allowing, that's what allows the energy to move even 2% more than it's moving. And that 2% can mean the difference between cutting into my skin and, you know, just let me pause and, and it, I have a little bit of a relief here and let me just sit with that. And it will exponentially increase as you do this practice. Mm -hmm. I think that's a huge thing because there's a lot of young people like teens, twenties, and there's a lot of reasons behind that, right? Like the consciousness we're in is excruciating, but for so many of us, we're numb eh, no big deal. You know, a few years of antidepressants and you barely even notice, but for those coming in, in the new consciousness, they are enhanced sensitivity because we're meant to be using our energy system for wisdom. Mm -hmm. They are enhanced embodiment because they're not going to be able to have the option of check out, distract. Like we need to wake up and be conscious as a society. And so 
what's right about this we're not getting is that they are not going to tolerate the frequency and consciousness of this society that says you're not worth anything unless you have uh, achievements or you're, you know, fall in line and do what's expected and you'll be happy. This is not the consciousness they're meant to comply with. And so giving them resources like working with Alicia or even just the online programs is so valuable for the whole collective because we are collectively, you know, changing our, our world. We all have something to offer that and a role to play in that. So thanks you guys for all of the encouragement and the love for Alicia. Thank you guys for being here live for everyone listening to the podcast or the recording of this video. Our Instagram did get uh, hijacked by uh, someone who we were sending lots of love to. And um, we're just kind of rolling with that. So anything that comes out on Instagram since yesterday, I, um, I cannot take responsibility for that. Uh, but that's why we're not broadcasting there today. Um, so my site is drkimd.com for the online resources, home study course, the mind body toolkit book, which is an excellent resource for just adopting some basic tools of working with your body, working with your energy system. And then our mind body mentors um, resources, if you'd like one-on-one private assistance, which is like invaluable, priceless. One session can be beyond 20 years of therapy because you're really getting to the core um, energy and nothing against therapy. They're just very, very different modalities and they work in very different ways. So you may find this to be one of the most life-altering investments you've ever made. So we're at drkimd.com forward slash mentors is uh, if you'd like to check out working with Alicia. We're here every Wednesday morning at 11 a.m. Mountain uh, in the Mind Body Community on Facebook. Subscribe on YouTube at Dr. Kim Duramo if you'd like to join our community. We will lovingly welcome you, welcome your comments. Thank you guys for being here and thank you so much, Alicia. Lots of love to everyone. Bye, everyone. I love you, girl. Love you. Holly said, I have my first mentorship session today. Yeah, with Holly. I'm excited. (laughs) You in a bit, Holly. (laughs) You've been listening to the Mind Body TV podcast with Dr. Kim Duramo. For a special download to assist with integrating this work, go to drkimd.com forward slash podcast.